programs that we're bringing to you through your generous support at 470-508-1160. Again, I'm Elizabeth Ficicelli. And, you know, it's, it's it's so exciting now. I know many of you know um, and are Dr. Scott Hahn fans out there. So you're going to be really excited to know that he is joining us today by phone for this hour of the Spirit Drive. And maybe one of you, you know, or many of you have read his books and he's got a lot of books. Uh, maybe you've heard one of his many talks. You know, maybe he's impacted your faith journey or the journey of someone you know. So we want to hear from you this hour, 470-508-1160. And that's how you can make your donation. And maybe you're a convert like Dr. Hahn, like myself. Uh, and if you're a convert, you're grateful to find your way home to the Catholic Church. We want to hear from you this hour. So let me give you just a little formal background on our next guest, Dr. Scott Hahn. He's the Father Michael Scanlon Professor of Biblical Theology and the New Evangelization at Franciscan University of Steubenville. We were just talking about Franciscan University in our last hour, and he has taught there since 1990. He's the founder and president of the St. Paul Center, an apostolate dedicated to teaching Catholics to read scripture from the heart of the church. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, Dr. Hahn has been married to Kimberly for 40 years. Together, they have six children and 18 grandchildren, and two of their sons are currently in priestly formation with the Diocese of Steubenville, and I learned that for the first time doing some research on Dr. Hahn. Uh, the author or editor of over 40 public, popular rather, and academic books, Dr. Hahn's works include the best-selling titles, Rome Sweet Rome, The Lamb's Supper, and Hail Holy Queen. And a former Presbyterian minister, Dr. Hahn entered the Catholic Church in 1986. And over the last three decades, he's delivered, oh gosh, thousands of talks and academic lectures nationally, internationally, on pretty much every topic you can imagine related to scripture, theology, and the Catholic faith. So I don't want to take up any more time in giving your bio, Dr. Hahn. Welcome to, and thanks for joining us at The Quest. It is wonderful to be with you, Elizabeth. Thank you for hosting this for six hours and going. <laughs> My. You're going to sleep well tonight, I suspect. Yeah, they give me a lot of chocolate, so it kind of helps. But, oh, that's uh, <laughs> sweet. Nice. You know, Dr. Han, you probably have one of the most famous conversion stories of all times. It's been circulating a long time. I remember getting a copy. It was a cassette tape, so that tells you how long ago it was, probably back in the 90s. But let's say it impacted uh, many lives. And But maybe there are listeners, and there always are, because we have new listeners all the time, that have not heard your story. So I'd like to start there by having you first give us an idea of where you came from spiritually as you were growing up. Did you have a faith at all? And if that's so, you know, how strong was it? Well, I mean, let's divide it up into three stages. The first stage, I was growing up in a nominal Protestant family, and we went to church irregularly, and I fell into a life of, oh, you could call it juvenile delinquency. <laughs> I ended up in the Allegheny County juvenile court system in Pittsburgh for almost two and a half years of various hearings. And then I found our Lord, and that was a second stage for me. He found me at a retreat, and I fell in love with Jesus, but then also with sacred scripture. And I had two or three men in my life who could lead Bible studies and make the Word of God just come alive. At the same time, I must admit, they were very anti-Catholic, and I ended up becoming just as anti-Catholic as they, and maybe more. And so I went off to college and studied theology as well as philosophy, and I was working through the Bible uh, and taking courses as well as teaching and doing youth ministry. But I was also targeting my Catholic friends in high school and targeting the Catholic kids in my ministry during college. And so after getting married, right out of college, Kimberly and I graduated together, 
And then we came back from our honeymoon, and we went up to seminary in Boston. Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary was sort of the Harvard of the evangelical schools, and still is. It's very rigorous, demanding, but faith-filled. And so for three years, in the late 70s and early 80s, we studied together Greek and Hebrew, the new and the old, and theology and church history and all of that. And something happened along the way. I realized that in order to understand the Bible, you have to come to grips with the idea of the covenant. And it's not the same as a contract. We use those two words interchangeably, but I discovered pretty early that in a contract, ancient Israelites would just change property. This is yours and that is mine, but in a covenant, you actually enter into a communion of life. I am yours and you are mine, and you enter into a marriage or into a family through adoption. And so rethinking the Bible in terms of a old and new covenant was, for me, kind of exciting. After graduation from seminary came ordination. I was the pastor of Trinity Presbyterian Church, and I put all of this into practice, and our church began to grow, and not only in number, but in excitement. And I also began teaching at a local Presbyterian seminary to form future pastors. But I began to sense, after less than two years, that what everybody was excited about, what I was thrilled about, Mm -hmm. was stuff that was pointing me beyond the Presbyterian world, the evangelical Christian world. It was leading me back to the early Church Fathers. It was leading me back to the notion of the Eucharist being much more than a symbol, being Christ Himself, the Holy Sacrifice, the Mass. And so I ended up having to kind of submit my resignation from the seminary and from the Church, and I went in search of a Church that fit what I was finding in the Bible, and I found it in the last place I expected to, and that was the Catholic Church. And I fought for three or four years, but Besides being a kind of horror story, it also became something of a detective story. Kimberly and I have written about this in a book called Rome Sweet Home that you mentioned, our journey to Catholicism. But this horror story that became a detective story ended up a kind of romance, because what I discovered was Christ's love for his bride, the Church, that's us, surpassed anything I've ever known. And, I mean, 40 years ago on our wedding night, I could have said, Kimberly, this is my body, which is given up for you, but I didn't. Christ does, and he actually fulfills that in a way that human brides and grooms just can't. And it it seems to me that in finding the fullness of the faith in the Catholic Church and finding the family of God, truly being Catholic, that is universal, not only reaching around the globe, but all the way up to heaven, where the Blessed Virgin, all the saints and angels are like older brothers and sisters under God the Father. I mean, it's almost too good to be true, except it is the gospel truth. And in becoming a Catholic, I didn't cease to be evangelical. The good news or the evangel just got much better. Mm-hmm. And so in the process of committing what felt like professional suicide, <laughs> it was a career killer, but then the Lord had something in store on the other side of Good Friday. It was a kind of resurrection to get the chance to share with people what I found and what I never expected to discover, and that is the Lord Jesus fulfilling his word in the scriptures, but also especially in the Mass. And so 
thank you for letting me share that because it just never gets old. Yeah, it doesn't. And you did a great job, by the way, uh, of, of boiling it down into a brief story because it, it is a fascinating story. And like you said, Rome Sweet Rome is the account that you and Kimberly uh, uh, really documented that journey in. And speaking of Kimberly, and we were so uh, glad to host her at the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference several years ago. And uh, she did a wonderful job there. She's a, a wonderful evangelist at your side with her own writing, her own speaking. But she famously called you once Luther in reverse. This is before she converted herself. And I remember when I heard your conversion story back in the 90s for the first time, I thought, not Luther in reverse, this guy is like St. Paul come back. And, <laughs> you know, you see similarities in the conversion of St. Paul and your own conversion, don't you? I do. You know, uh, Luther was my hero in high school, and then Calvin became my hero in college as I went deeper into theology. But St. Paul became my hero. But I thought of him as the first Protestant. And so in diving deeper and deeper into Paul's writings, I began to, well, I began to realize that this is not so simple. And, uh, and so studying Paul over the course of a decade is what eventually led me to recognize that his book that we call Romans is... Roman Catholic. I just mm-hmm. finished a commentary on the Book of Romans, and you know that's where I started in high school and college, and then I finished up realizing that the deep logic of Paul's book in Romans and elsewhere is, uh, is the love of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that creates not simply a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but a covenant family. And again, that entails not just me and you, but the Blessed Virgin and all the saints and apostles and martyrs and confessors. And that vision is just so beautiful, and yet it's so real. Paul was the one. And I look at Paul, and I realize that he ended up becoming a kind of role model in an ironic way. I didn't expect, because when you look at him, it's obvious that Paul is the single most zealous apostle. He writes more epistles than all of the other apostles combined. But why is it? Well, as one professor put it, you know, Paul was such a zealous apostle because Saul was such a fanatical persecutor. You almost think of it like a rubber band. When you pull it back in one direction and then let go, it flies all the much faster in the opposite direction. And so when Saul was persecuting the early Christian movement, he did so, and he would have passed a polygraph. He was truly sincere until he met the Lord, the Messiah, the Christ, on the Damascus Road. And all Jesus did was to redirect all of that energy, harnessing it in a much holier direction. And so, for me, it wasn't just that I was non-Catholic. It was that I was anti-Catholic. And quite frankly, I don't think I knew anybody more anti-Catholic. But it wasn't bigotry or prejudice. It was just the conviction that if they're worshiping a wafer, and that's all it is, then of all the different forms of idolatry you encounter, that is one of the lowest. And likewise, if the Blessed Virgin Mary and the saints aren't what they say, this too is problematic. And the Pope, if he isn't what they claim, then he's a kind of spiritual dictator. So I drew these conclusions and then kind of launched my persecution until I dove so deeply into the scriptures, and I read the early church fathers, and I realized, you know what, Christianity didn't really start up again after 1,500 years. The early church fathers had it, Christ is present in the holy sacrifice of the Mass, and the angels and saints don't form a different denomination. They are in the same Catholic Church as we are. 
You're listening to Dr. Scott Hahn, very famous apologist, uh, evangelizer for the Catholic faith. And this is the uh, Quest AM 1160. It's our fall spirit drive. We have a theme today of Atlanta Family Strong. Uh, We're talking about a lot of marriage and and, and family relationship issues, but always, always, always we're talking about Catholic radio, the great impact it's having on people's lives. And I know a lot of people's journey have been impacted by the writings and the speakings of our guest today, Dr. Scott Hahn. I want to give that number out again. Uh, sometimes we get so engaged in our guests and what we're talking about, such exciting topics, but we are here for uh, raising of funds and awareness of Catholic Radio, of the Quest. So you can join this by dialing 470-508-1160, 470-508-1160. You can go online, make your donation that way, thequestatlanta.com. Whether that's a one-time gift, uh, a monthly gift of $20 or more, or $100 or more for that founding membership, uh, we've got all kinds of gifts and prizes for your giving today, so uh, please uh, do do that. And uh, we have so many volunteers here who are helping at the, the radio here, answering calls and, and serving food. And I want to give a thank you, too, to Chick-fil-A, who once again uh, has provided a delicious lunch for all the staff and all the volunteers that are making this drive possible for the next four days. Uh, Jim Waddell, uh, the manager over at uh, Chick-fil-A and Holcomb Ridge and Holcomb Bridge, rather, in Highway 9. Thank you for your generosity and for you seeing the value of Catholic radio. Um, Scott, we're going to be uh, coming shortly here to a break, but the, what I want to ask you next about uh, the Mass, and we're probably going to address this more on the other side of the break, but I know that the Mass was a turning point for you, as it was for me. Um, in my case, because uh, uh, I said I was a convert, my first Mass was at college, uh, at the college campus with my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband of 34 years. Uh, he took me to my first Mass, and for me, Um, the Lord graced me tremendously by just opening my eyes to the reality of the Eucharist when that priest held up that little white wafer and said, this is my body. Um, For the first time I experienced, because I was also nominally, you know, churched and, but the first time I experienced Jesus Christ in the presence in, in a worship setting. And uh, it was traumatic for me at first because it was Catholic and I wasn't ready to become Catholic. But for me, that Mass was an aha moment. And when I tell that story in my conversion, it's not a St. Paul getting knocked over by lightning and and thunderbolts, but rather the opening of our eyes, um, you know, the, 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 the disciples on the way to Emmaus where their eyes are open at the uh, breaking of the bread. So, um, I know for me that that was, uh, for me, it was that Eucharist moment. For you, it's going to be the scriptural uh, basis of the Mass. So tease us just for like a minute, and then when we come back from the break, I want you to unpack it more. Yeah, I mean, you put your finger right on the pulse, Elizabeth, because the, the fact is, my heart was burning within me for years, just like Clopas and his companion on the road to Emmaus. But it was only when I attended a Mass for the first time in a basement chapel a weekday at noon that I heard the words of consecration, and like Paul, the scales fell from my eyes. Like Clopas and his friend, my eyes were opened in the breaking of the Eucharistic bread. It was like an explosion of truth, but it was also goodness and beauty. And so, without telling a soul, I began secretly attending daily Mass at noon in this basement chapel, finding myself falling in love with our Lord in an entirely new way, and that was His real presence in the Eucharist. And really, I mean, that is what I have been trying to do since that grace-filled moment. 
That's awesome. So we're going to go to a short break right now. Again, this is the AM 1160 Quest, the Quest here in Atlanta. We're we're here for the Fall Spirit Drive. It's the first uh, four days of of generous giving on your part by calling 470-508-1160. We've had fabulous guests all week. Um, This is such a beautiful way to uh, cap this day of the first uh, day of our Spirit Drive with Dr. Scott Hahn, who's so generously taking his time out of his busy schedule to be with us. And we're going to talk more about that mass and the biblical roots of the mass when we come back. So stay tuned and call 470-508-1160. Hello, this is Father Martin Connor with the Legionaries of Christ and Regan Christie. And I want to just offer this prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of our Catholic faith. And we want this station, the quest, to touch many, many people, many souls that are searching for you. Help all of those involved to be discerning, and to be great instruments of this work that you have raised up. We ask this always through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Quest presents Mom Minutes with Cameron Frad from Among the Lilies. You are amazing and wonderful and enough. I think oftentimes we fall into comparison traps and we think, I'm not good enough or I'm not like this person. Sally has her kids in dance or Sarah's kids are on honor roll, whatever. Like the Lord knows that you are who's best for your children, right? And your main goal as a mom is to get your kids to heaven. It doesn't really matter. Like when you get to heaven, St. Peter's not like, hey, did you play five seasons of soccer? No. Oh, you had a bad mom. (laughs) Or were you on the honor roll? Oh, your mom didn't try hard enough with those flashcards. No, your job as a mom is to love your children help them to know love and serve our lord and get them to heaven and the best mom you could be is accepting who you are be the best you you can be you can't be cameron frat you would be a horrible cameron frat i can't be my friend julia who's amazing and wonderful i need to be me so be you be yourself and uh, get your kids to heaven for more homegrown wisdom visit thequestatlanta.com So, you love listening to The Quest, but can't always listen live? No worries. Now with the Quest Atlanta app, you never have to miss out. Listen on demand, submit prayer requests, catch up on the latest headlines, and so much more. Available on the App Store and Google Play today. This is Dr. David Anders, host of Call to Communion. You know, Catholic Radio made a huge difference in my journey to the Catholic Church. I had pretty much read everything I could read and answered all the questions for myself I could answer, but I needed some real life breathing Catholics to talk to, you know, and I stumbled across Catholic Radio in my car and found people who'd walked the journey before me. I started calling them up and asking them questions, and they were there for me when I needed them, and they kind of helped me across some of those last hurdles between me and full inclusion in the Catholic Church. There are cities that have very few Catholics. There are some that have all kinds of Catholics. And yet, still, the guy next door to you, you can't assume he knows anybody who's Catholic. Catholic Radio, for a lot of people, is literally the only Catholics they know. I believe your support of your Catholic radio station can make an eternal difference in the life of an individual, a family, and in society. So support Catholic Radio. To donate, log on to thequestatlanta.com. Hey y'all, I'm Kyle Porter from St. Joseph Catholic Church in Marietta, Georgia. You're listening to Atlanta Catholic Radio, AM 1160, The Quest. And we're back once again for the AM 1160. It's The Quest 
Catholic Radio Spirit Drive, Fall Spirit Drive. I'm Elizabeth Piccicelli, Catholic author, speaker, radio host. Uh, we're having just a wonderful first day of our Spirit Drive. You've been so generous with your giving and helping us achieve our goal by picking up that phone at 470-508-1160. TheQuestAtlanta.com is the uh, online address. You can uh, do your giving that way. Steph Ike is back in the studio with us. Um, Steph, so kind of give us a, a recap of what's going on. I, I hear phones ringing back there. I know we've got a lot of uh, volunteers excited to answer the phone. All of your donations, please keep them coming. This is our last hour of the drive today, and uh, we really need your support. We're trying to hit that $50,000 mark by the end of the day. We've got a little ways to go yet, so if you can help us, we'd really appreciate it. If you've been listening and you love us, help us out to keep going and uh, keep great content on the air. And I just want to mention that I, I stopped in during the break. Uh, to tell Elizabeth that you know, something is really cool about uh, the quest is that we have a very strong uh, spiritual aspect to this apostolate. We have a chapel here that we're uh, very proud of, and it was a big project for us this year to uh, put the chapel in. And uh, we have a priest, Father Selvaraj, who's coming in at 545 to... Um, repose the Blessed Sacrament. Just so everyone knows, you're welcome to come in if you want to and spend time in adoration with us. We have people who are volunteers who are coming in just to come in and pray in adoration for the success of of the Spirit Drive and pray for the prayer intentions for anyone who calls in and has a special prayer request. So we are praying for you. We're praying for you throughout the Spirit Drive. We pray every day uh, at the Divine Mercy Chaplet as a team uh, and include all of you in our prayers. So uh, God bless you and thank you so much for all of your donations. The, the Quest has been on the air a little over a year. It's so exciting to see how far they've come so far and what a blessing they're giving to Atlanta by their presence here. And so maybe your journey has been impacted by Dr. Scott Hahn, who's on the phone with us today this hour as our guest. Yes. Maybe you've read one of his books. Maybe, you know, you've heard him say something on Catholic Radio that really, really impacted your faith. We want to hear about it. So call 470-508-1160. We'll mention that on the air. And that's how the game is played here at the Quest 1160 AM. So thank you, Steph. I know she's going to be back to the phones and back, back to, to the phones. back to the phones and back to uh, uh, helping out and uh, behind the scenes. And thank God for all the people helping out behind the scenes because we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing on the microphone. So Dr. Scott Hahn, thank you for your patience with all of the housekeeping. But, you know, let me ask you while, while we got you on the line, you know, you, you've participated in these drives before. I know you know the value of Catholic Radio. Uh, what would you like to interject before we go back to the Mass and its biblical roots? What do you want to interject about Catholic Radio, why people should pick up the phone and call 470-508-1160? Well, I want to echo what you're just saying, Elizabeth, as well as what Steph was saying, because sometimes you're too close to something special to realize how unique and special it is. And the Atlantic Catholic community is big and growing. And it's world famous because of the Eucharistic Congress that goes all the way back to Archbishop Donahue. But what has happened in the last year with Atlantic Catholic Radio, AM 1160, I mean, the quest covers over 50 parishes. It reaches 3.1 million people in all of metro Atlanta. And that's not even talking about the app and the online and everything else. I mean, I don't know of another city in the country and maybe the world that has such a radioactive apostolate as this. And mm-hmm. so 
before I say anything else about my life experience, I just want to say, brothers and sisters in Christ, seize the moment. Take advantage of this opportunity and support this, because it's one year old, but it is going to grow exponentially, and especially if you support it with your prayer and your contributions. And so, go team. I mean, I'm just so grateful for you, Elizabeth, coming down to help them out with this quest drive, because the spirit drive is really something that is... Uh, it's divine and apostolic. Oh, it is, and 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 I benefit. I you know, a convert thirty six years or so, and I study the faith because I teach the faith. But I learn something every time I turn on the radio, the Catholic radio station, and um, and it's just it's changing hearts and minds. It's catechizing. It's it's just a powerful, powerful tool that the Lord is using in our day and age. We need it more than ever. And so I echo your words as well. Four seven zero five zero eight eleven sixty. So Dr. Hahn, we'll kind of return to your story and and help us understand, you know, basically how the Mass is so biblical and why that really struck you and, and, and really was that big turning point in your life. Okay. As I do that, let me just take one step backwards and kind of situate this, because almost exactly one month from today, on Friday, October 25th, Kimberly and I are going to be down in Atlanta at the Cobb Energy Performing Arts Center for the St. Paul Center Big Gala Banquet. It's our sixth annual. We've always been in Pittsburgh nearby, but we just have such an amazing support system. Down in Atlanta, we're going down there, and we're going to be talking all about the Eucharist. We're going to be talking all about the real presence, the holy sacrifice of the Mass. But what we want to do is to take it beyond just solid doctrine. We want to take it beyond just good catechetical content. What we'd like to do that night, October 25th, and they can go to the St. Paul Center website and learn all about it, and I know that it's been all over the air there at the Quest. Yes. But the, uh, the fact is, you know, we can only do so much in 45 minutes over the radio. We can only do so much in an evening. But what we want to do is to provide resources so that the results of the Pew study can be reversed. You know, you, I'm sure you've mentioned this, and everybody's heard about it. Uh, a month ago, the J. Howard Pugh Research Center uh, published this study. I think a lot of people assume that Pugh just comes from the church pews. Mm-hmm. It actually comes from J. Howard Pugh, who was the founder of Sun Oil, Sunoco. He's also a graduate of Grove City College and was the chairman of the board of our alma mater there. And he established this, uh, this foundation to do religious research, and it is the most reliable survey work being done. Seventy percent of Catholics in America don't believe in the real presence. They just believe Eucharist is a symbol. Thirty percent do. You know, that's somewhat stunning until you realize that of the seventy percent, over half of them think that they believe what the Church teaches. So this is not simply a catechetical failure. Unfortunately, it's a kind of catechetical success, because if our teachers and catechists don't believe what they've been imparting for the last 20, 30, 40 years, and I've seen this all around, is an inadequate faith. It really is similar, if not identical, to what I held as a Protestant. And so for me, I want to say, lay hold of your legacy, my fellow Catholics, because if you love our Lord half as much as he loves us, you don't want to miss his real presence in the Holy Eucharist. I mean, honestly, it was years of study that didn't just confirm my belief in the Pope, Mary, the saints, and seven sacraments. More than everything else put together, it was Jesus' real presence in the Holy Eucharist. That was the main event. That was the source and the center of it all. And once you see it, you realize 
this is the good news. This is, you know, the centerpiece, and this is where we can find Jesus and find the grace and the power that we need to go back home and live this stuff out. And so, you know, Kimberly and I are going to be down there on August 25th, but 20 years ago, Kimberly and I were already aware of the fact that a lot of Catholics don't believe, and a lot of ex-Catholics fell away because they weren't adequately taught. And so we devised this program, this mission. We called it the St. Paul Center for somewhat obvious reasons, because he's sort of my hero, and he was also a role model for Kimberly, too. And so we just simply want to impart biblical literacy for Catholic laypeople, biblical fluency for Catholic clergy, and also our teachers. As you mentioned at the, uh, the beginning, I've got two sons in the seminary right now mm-hmm. studying for the priesthood for the Diocese of Steubenville, and so I've got skin in the game. But we also know and celebrate the fact that one month ago, my oldest son, Michael, who just finished his doctorate in theology and scripture, is now a professor of scripture and theology at Mount St. Mary Seminary in Emmitsburg, Maryland. And so on both ends, we've got two sons studying to be priests. We've got one son who's teaching future priests. And so I can't tell you how many times priests have said to me, coming from our events, why did they never teach us to read the Bible that way in seminary? Why why did we never learn how to, to read it and preach it that way? And I say to them, you know, I want to retire that question so that in 20 years, nobody will even think of asking it, because what we want to do is raise up a whole new generation of priests and laity, not to accuse each other, not to point fingers, but to bear witness and to support one another and to encourage one another. We want to thank our clergy for the sacrifice of the Mass, but for the sacrifices that they have made in order to lead us into this mystery. And so, at the same time, we as Lay people are like Clopas and his companion who walked all the way back to Jerusalem to find our first pope, Peter, and the other apostles, not to accuse them, you know, not to say, well, if you hadn't denied him, maybe he would have spent these hours with you. They just went back to bear witness to the fire in their hearts and to the light of their eyes and the real presence of Christ, and voila, who should suddenly appear but Jesus, who has united the clergy and the laity back in the first century, on Easter Sunday, and right now in the 21st century, and especially in the Atlanta Archdiocese, through all that you're doing and what we hope to accomplish one month from tomorrow on October 25th. Awesome. You know, and we are promoting that event, and and we will uh, mention that event again before the end of this hour, so people can make sure they mark that on their calendar and find out how to get involved. we're going to be going to a clip in about two minutes, but before I do that, I just want to give a thank you. I guess, Dr. Hunt, people are responding to what you're saying. We've had generous donations from Gabriella, so thank you, Gabriella, from Judy and from Janet. We've also had a generous donation from St. Vincent de Paul Catholic Church, so it's how beautiful that a parish is stepping forward and making a gift. And again, you know, Dr. Hunt, for, for, for you and I, you know, we, we're familiar with radio stations that have been on the air for a long time, but as this has only been a little bit over a year, Parishes are just discovering this, so for a parish to step up already and make such a generous donation, it's exciting to see that they're getting it, isn't it? It certainly is. I mean, Atlanta Catholic Radio, AM 1160, the quest is like a newly launched aircraft carrier. I don't think people (laughs) realize just how productive, how supernaturally fruitful this is going to end up being for that whole Catholic community and the entire archdiocese. 
So we're going to go to a quick clip. When we come back from this clip, Dr. Hahn, I want to be talking about the St. Paul Center. Um, okay. You know, we kind of heard your conversion story, and it's kind of logical that you name this the St. Paul Center. I want to talk more about what the purpose of that is. Uh, but first, we're going to go to a, a quick clip. So just be reminded of the great programming you get to hear on these airwaves. This is going to be a sample from Catholic Answers Live. You can hear that program Monday through Friday. It's a live call-in show, 6 to 8 Eastern, right here on The Quest. So let's give a listen. If someone has a social media addiction, you know, can't it, it's buzzing every 30 seconds and they're looking at it every 30 seconds all day long, right? Then you might say, well, this is this is a problem at the level of sensation, you know, sight, and uh, the person just needs to stop doing that. Okay, well, easy to say, not so easy to do. Um, we're convinced that uh, moral virtue is, is required as a kind of background condition to getting a hold of our sensory lives, and then our sensory lives themselves need to be properly calibrated, if you will, uh, so that we're listening well, looking well, and uh, responding to pain well, etc., sort of thing, uh, remembering well. And that finally, the deeper motivation for any of this kind of self-command is that we want to be in possession of our thoughts and of our will, right? We want to be thinking in accord with truth and acting, loving in accord with truth. And really, we have to have all of these elements together in order to gain interior peace um, or what measure of it we can during this earthly pilgrimage. Uh, So a quick response that says, just turn off the cell phone, isn't going to do. The common... Uh, spiritual and moral discipline of the of the Christian tradition, all the way back to the Gospels and to the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. This this is the foundation of interior peace, right? We're not we're not um, ignorant of what we need to do. Um, if we're ignorant of something, it, it would only be uh, just how to roll it out and apply it in our current circumstances. So we're it's uh, you, right. So if you if it's not a, if the problem isn't ignorance, then the answer isn't just get. I've got just this little piece of information. Once you've got that information, you can go with it. Uh, right. Is that what that's what you're saying? So exactly. And the problem is at a deeper level. Mm-hmm. And and what what's the level? Well, yeah. So. Um, uh, <laughs> Lots to say there, potentially. Um, you know, Alistair McIntyre has that famous book from the early 80s called After Virtue. Yeah. And one of the meanings of that title is that we ourselves don't have much virtue in our own lives, right? Uh, so this is one of the deeper realities here. If we're not pursuing the good in a, in a determined way, then all manner of aspects of our lives are going to be unruly. Um, another aspect of our of our book is that we we think that uh, in, in the last analysis to maintain to, to find and maintain interior peace is going to require using the mind well but the mind um, as our tradition teaches us r- r- really is used well when it's thinking about the most intelligible things like God <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah so there's no so again there's no shortcut here right so the mind that is at peace is not the empty mind <laughs> or not the mind that has no convictions. No, the mind that's at peace is the mind that, that knows God and thinks about God. 
And then finally, the middle part of our book is about our, our sensory lives. And, and here, you know, if we do have a, a habit of living through a day without silence, without uh, time away from screens, without exercising our interior sense faculties by remembering things, right, then we've got some deficiencies there that we need to work on. And again, these are not, for, for us to point these deficiencies out, it's, it's, we're not claiming to have discovered anything. Uh, we're, we, we understand ourselves to be reminding ourselves and our readers of, of what the wise have always said. And that was a clip from Catholic Answers Live, heard here on The Quest, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. That's our evening drive time, uh, weekdays, Monday through Friday. Great questions, even better answers. And that's the kind of great programming you get here on these airwaves. And you are putting that on the airwaves by supporting us with your prayers and your financial support at 470-508-1160. Let's keep those phones ringing, keep those volunteers busy. We only have about 20 or so minutes left to this hour, to this first day of the drive. Uh, The drive is not over. It continues through Friday. Lots of uh, great guests lined up, um, other great national guests like Dr. Han that we're speaking to today. Uh, Gifts and giveaways and fun and laughter, joy and celebration, because that's what Catholic Radio is, a great big celebration. Uh, AM 1160, The Quest here in Atlanta. So, uh, Dr. Han, you know, we were talking about this uh, St. Paul Center. You were inspired to start the St. Paul Center, logically named. You expressed how St. Paul really had an impact on you and and the similarities between you and his journey. Uh, What do you do at the center? What's its primary purpose? Well, as I mentioned, it is reading scripture from the heart of the church, biblical literacy for Catholic laypeople, biblical fluency for our clergy and our teachers. And so beginners, intermediate, advanced, we do the largest priest conferences twice a year. We may be going to three times a year. We also do conferences for laypeople, for parishes, for high school kids, and so many others, too. Our goal is simply to light a fire in the hearts of Catholic believers and then encourage them in practical ways to go forth and evangelize through friendship with family by bearing witness to a rediscovered joy. You know, this idea of faith is, you know, it's something that we are called to keep, but you can't keep the faith unless you're prepared to give it away. And once you begin to share it, you end up owning it far more. And once you come to the point where you can take God at his word and pick up the scriptures and begin reading them and recognize that, you know, the Mass is the only thing that we have to do all of our lives, and the Bible is the only book that will have to be read in every Mass throughout all the ages. And so let's overcome biblical illiteracy and achieve that understanding of God's word where we're going to be able to make much better sense of things. You know, I I think back to when we were founding the St. Paul Center 20 years ago, launching a book called The Lamb's Supper, Mm -hmm. which was a talk that I'd given on many occasions because of the discovery I'd made after after, after grappling with the book of Revelation for years, just coming up empty. Suddenly I go to the Mass and I hear the Holy, 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 the Lamb of God, the Gloria, the Amen, the Alleluia. They're liturgical vestments. There's an altar with chalices. It's Mm -hmm. like a check list of more than 20 (laughs) items that I had never, and it's like connecting the dots. You know, you don't have to die to go to heaven. All we've got to do is go to Mass, and heaven is where we are. Whether I believed it or not, it didn't make it less real, and discovering it just made it a whole lot more meaningful and powerful to me. And another major project that we've been doing at the center is uh, it's the second book in a trilogy. The first is The Lamb's Supper. The second one is The Fourth Cup. 
And this, too, was a talk that I gave because this was the prequel. Studying the Passover is what led me to want to go to Mass for the first time just to see if there was any residue left from the early Church. And then I discovered this perfect match, not only with the early Church's Eucharistic worship, but with the liturgy of the angels and saints in heaven. And so the third and final book uh, is called Consuming the Word, where I indicate that, you know, all I ever wanted to be was a New Testament Christian, but the only time Jesus ever uses the phrase the New Testament is when he is in the upper room on Holy Thursday. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the New Testament, the blood of the New Covenant. He doesn't say, write this in remembrance of me. He says, do this. Mm-hmm. We call it the Eucharist, but it's the only time he used the phrase the New Testament. Waking up and discovering that the New Testament was a sacrament for many years before it started to become a document revolutionized my understanding of the document. But at the same time, it showed me that if I'm going to be a New Testament Christian, I better be open to becoming a Eucharistic Catholic. And that's what happened. And so these three books for the last 20 years, and these talks as well, have just been professionally produced in a series that we just released a few weeks ago called The Eucharist in Scripture, The Lamb's Supper, The Fourth Cup, and Consuming the Word. And it's a trilogy of books. It's actually three talks that were professionally produced, but divided up into Two lessons apiece, so six altogether, for parish-based Bible study, for personal Bible study. We do have a leader's guide. We also have a participant workbook, and it is the finest production. I mean, it is, it is uh, how do I say this, Bishop Barron level. It yeah. is as good as it gets, you know. <laughs> and I'm so excited because we kind of saw the need, and so we kind of launched the Real Presence Project. And it's a whole fleet of ships, but this is sort of the flagship, the Eucharist and Scripture, these three talks based on those three books, and now breaking it down in order to have the St. Paul Center sort of help lead the way for Catholics in America to not only rediscover the truth, but at the same time to have a spiritual reawakening so that they become the means by which lots of others come back home, come back to the fullness of Eucharistic faith. So your Real Presence Project, the, the Eucharist and Scripture, all of this coming coming in, in time, was was this in response to uh, what you saw as, as, as a, a, a growing disbelief in the Eucharist, or was it just an inspiration of the Holy Spirit that he wanted this now, or... Uh, because it's so timely. It's all of the above. I mean, at one level, it was divinely produced to, to coincide with the result of that unfortunate study. In another sense, it's also what came from my own excitement and my own sense of urgency and conviction. You know, when I came into the church in 86, the year before, they had a similar survey with almost identical results. And I remember asking my sponsor, what am I doing becoming a Catholic if most Catholics don't even believe in the Eucharist? And he's like, Scott, we're Americans as well as Catholics. It's a miracle that any of us believe. And if we can believe, then God can use us to get others to believe. So get with it. I remember thinking, he just turned discouragement into excitement. And the same thing happened in the mid-90s, about 10 years after I entered the church. A similar survey, the same discouraging figures, and then I realized this is an opportunity. It's not an opportunity to accuse. It's an opportunity to have a kind of uh, counterattack. 
so that instead of being critical, we can be constructive, we can be proactive. And so I believe what we're doing is so similar to what Paul did after his Damascus Road experience. He just never let up. The zeal didn't die down. You know, you follow him all the way to his beheading, and you see this zealot. It is so exciting and inspiring for me, because I'm not doing it alone. We have over 40 full-time co-workers now at the center. And across the country, we have all these parishes teaming up with us in different forms of commitment. And every event I do is now a St. Paul Center event. And so Scott and Kimberly have never been so excited about the legacy of faith that we want to leave as we are now with this Real Presence Project and the St. Paul Center. And again, it's simple. People can just go online and go to stpaulcenter.com, and they'll learn about the sixth annual gala. It's not a black tie event. We're just going to have a lot of fun conversation. We're going to give an award to a dear friend of mine, Betsy Orr, a convert of 10 years, and she's a native of Atlanta, along with Tim Bush of the, the Bush Firm and the Foundation along with the Napa Institute, but we're going to have wonderful conversations, presentations, and then the next morning, Saturday, October 26th, back at the Cobb Center for a mini-conference with Kimberly giving a blow-away talk. I mean, this is one of the most amazing presentations I've heard. And then my dear friend and colleague, Dr. John Bergsma, who might be the single greatest Catholic biblical scholar alive right now, he's certainly the most popular professor here at Franciscan, where I teach, And we're just like comrades, brothers in arms. And I tell you, when he teaches the scriptures, people's hearts burn and their eyes well up. It's amazing, grace-filled time. Uh, That's, you know, I was thinking another beauty about Catholic Radio as I'm listening to you talk about the upcoming gala is this is where you can find out about things that are going on in your diocese, whether they're diocesan-wide, whether they're parish, you know, related or whatever. This is where you start to find out what's in your community. And God is using, it's so cool, the Atlanta market, which previously did not have Catholic Radio, but you have the ginormous Eucharistic Congress in the summer, you have this gala coming. So really exciting things happening. So as as Dr. Hans said earlier, this is just, uh, wait till you see what's going to unfold in the oncoming years. And this is the Fall Spirit Drive at AM 1160, The Quest, and you can continue helping us with these uh, great programs, these great conversations on Catholic Radio by calling 470-508-1160. Don't sit there and think someone else will call. Y'all get to it later in the week. Make that call now. Let the Spirit inspire you to give and give generously and grow this church. We need all the help we can get. We are under a great attack, but we've got the best product ever, Jesus Christ himself, the real presence, and he is just, the Holy Spirit's doing incredible things, 470-508-1160. And Dr. Hahn, how can we help Catholics encounter the Eucharist and rekindle love for the Blessed Sacrament? I think what the best thing to do is simply do what we do as friends, and that is we bear witness to the things that bring us joy. Nobody thinks you're weird if on the job you mention a great movie you saw over the weekend. They're not going to turn on you at the coffee break and say, stop shoving your theatrical tastes down our throats, (laughs) you know, because that's what friends do. And even at work, you can deepen friendship by sharing with others what has brought you joy. And you don't have to preach. In fact, you probably shouldn't. But if you just share and bear witness to the fact that, hey, I might have grown up Catholic, but I I took it for granted. I just wandered away, but I have come back. And boy, the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, what a difference that makes for me. You know, my marriage, it's helping that as well as our family. And, you know, be truthful, but also be transparent and humble enough 
to go beyond just talking about movies or music or, you know, nice restaurants. And if you pray for your coworkers, if you pray for your family members, if you pray for your friends who don't know the fullness of the faith that we have as Catholics, then you can be sure that the Holy Spirit has gone ahead of you and prepared those hearts and minds. And so things you bring up, you know, it might seem like happenstance, but then a week later somebody might say, hey, what are you doing for lunch tomorrow? I want to follow up on something that you said. This is what we mean by the new evangelization. It's not standing on the street corner and just preaching the Bible. It's just entering into the hearts of people through friendship and bearing witness to Christ as we have experienced Him. And it's not like we're trying to reach them. We are them. We need to be reached. At least I do. Every morning I need to wake up and kind of open up my heart back again through the grace of conversion. I mean, folks like Kimberly, she just wakes up with a a joy and a peace. <laughs> Guys like me, you know, we need to kind of convert again and again, you know, with the morning offering and then throughout the day, but also in conversations where we can admit to our friends, hey, it's a struggle, but it is leading me to joy more than anything else. I mean, the world promises us so many pleasures, but it just leaves us jaded, addicted, burned out. Whereas Christ is offering us the joy of the gospel, as Pope Francis put it. And this is what the new evangelization is. And I think if people recognize Christ is there, you know, you think about good physical health, diet and exercise. Well, the diet of the Eucharist is so crucial. The spiritual exercise of adoration before the Blessed Sacrament. I mean, it's one thing to have muscles in your body through diet and exercise. It's another thing to have muscles in your soul. You know, when we were listening to the Catholic answers, they were talking about virtues. Virtues are simply to the soul what muscles are to the body. And the theological virtue of faith, along with hope and love, we need to build up our muscles. We need to do it through diet and exercise, going to Holy Communion, going to adoration, and sharing this with other people. I have in my Bible that when Scott tells another person about Christ and the Eucharist, he's just telling, he's just one beggar telling another beggar where he found the bread of life. Awesome. You know, it's so, it's so beautiful because as you're talking, Dr. Han, we have benediction going just on the other side of this wall <laughs> where you hear the priest singing as, as he's reposing this, the body of Christ and, and is just all coming together. You know, the Lord really wants his Eucharistic presence known. We, we've got that happening in, in this diocese in particular. So some great things are happening. Um, I'm going to give you one last question. I could ask you a billion more, but time does run out. You know, clock is our enemy. Sure. They always say in Catholic radio. Um, but one final question, about two minutes here. Our church has been under a great deal of persecution in recent years. We've had distressing news of scandal, abuse, cover-up. Many Catholics, they're attempted, you know, attempted rather to to jump ship. I'll admit as an evangelist myself, it's disheartening to say the least. What do you want to tell Catholics in our day and age who want to give up? Well, I mean, we have lots of good reasons to do so, but we've got better reasons not to. We can look down on the predators and the protectors, the cardinals and the bishops and all of the people, but we need to look up instead and look up at our Lord, because ultimately the Catholic Church is Catholic, not because it's centered in the Vatican. The Pope is not the head of the Church. Christ is the head of the Church, and the Church is his body. We love the Pope. We pray for him. But he's just the vicar of Christ who goes to confession regularly like we should. And so as we struggle as sinners, we've got to look up, not down, and see Christ and not just the problems and recognize that the bad news is bad. 
It's worse than I expected. But the good news is infinitely better than the bad news is bad. We just have that downward look, and we've got to gaze upward and realize that the light is much brighter and more powerful than the darkness. Let's just find the light switches and turn them on. Amen, brother. Great words. Great way to end this conversation. What a pleasure speaking with you, Dr. Hahn. Um, the website uh, is stpaulcenter.com. You can right. find out more about that gala on October 25th through 26th here in Atlanta, and we're also promoting that on the Quest website. Uh, So again, thank you so much for joining us by phone today. It was a wonderful talk, a wonderful way to end the first day of our Spirit Drive. God bless you. Oh, you're welcome, Elizabeth. God bless you and all of our listeners. All right. Woo! What a way to end this day. This is Elizabeth Ficicelli. Again, I'm an author, speaker, uh, a radio host. You can find out more about my work at my website, www.elizabethficicelli.com. That wraps up my time here at The Quest. But again, The Quest is uh, not over with its spirit drive. It will be back on air 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Um, And that's a Tuesday. So tune that in. 470-508-1160. That's the number you need to call the quest, Atlanta.com. That's the the website you want to look up if you want to give. And you can give tonight after this break that we're going to now, this this close of this first day. Get online, the quest, Atlanta.com. Make your pledge there. We'll announce it Tuesday morning, tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. when we take over the airwaves again with this really important cause. It's been such a joy, such a pleasure being with you. Uh, I I will be praying for the station and its success and pray for your uh, generosity to continue at 470-508-1160. God bless. Have a wonderful evening.